Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. For many, Yom Kippur is considered the most sacred day on the Hebrew calendar. It is a day of fasting, praying, and repenting, as many Jewish people hope for their names to be written in the Book of Life. For believers in Jesus, this holiday can often be misunderstood if we do not know its biblical context. My name is Nicole Vaca, and I am one of the co-producers of Our Hope podcast. Today I am standing in for our regular host, Abe Vasquez. On today's episode, we are diving into the Day of Atonement, what the Bible says about it, how people observe it today, and what it means for believers in Jesus. To help us on this journey, we have invited back our Mid-Atlantic Regional Director, Dennis Karp. Dennis, welcome back to Our Hope. Thank you so much, and Lishana Tova. Thank you. Happy New Year. So last time we spoke with you, you were uh, on our podcast episode about the Messianic community and about Messianic education as well. How is your congregation doing during this time of reopening? Actually, um, what we've been doing is try to uh, provide a place where people can get together even when the government authorities try to keep us separated. So we have begun live streaming. We've begun slowly in-house meetings uh, and we've been connecting with people on the phone. Um, to uh, God's glory, no one's left the congregation. And besides the 40 or 50 people that brave it to come into the uh, sanctuary on Shabbat morning, uh, we're now reaching over 100 feet, 150 people live stream uh, as far away as uh, Canada, Alaska, and Israel. So uh, I guess things are going pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of churches and congregations right now are realizing that uh, with technology, we have an even farther reach with uh, our services than we did before. Um, So do you have any plans for Yom Kippur? Uh, Yes. Uh, First of all, we're going to be joining the the live stream uh, broadcast that Chosen People Ministries is doing on Sunday night. Uh, We're looking forward to that. As a matter of fact, they've asked me to do some cantorials. So I'm looking forward to seeing my face on the big screen. (laughs) But uh, we will be here at the congregation. Uh, on Monday morning uh, for our Yom Kippur service. 
Yes, that's right. So listeners, if you want to join us for our Holy Day services, you can go to chosenpeople.com slash high holidays. So I want to jump into our discussion about Yom Kippur. Uh, we need to point out to listeners first and foremost that Yom Kippur is not a feast day, but it is a holy day. What does the Bible say about Yom Kippur? So um, you go to Leviticus uh, chapter 23 and beginning in verse 26 and 27, we find out that it's to be a day of atonement and it's also to be a holy convocation where offerings are made and the children of Israel were to afflict uh, their souls. Now, there's no real definition of what the Bible means by afflict your souls, although rabbinic Judaism interpreted that uh, as fasting. But it is a, a holy Sabbath. It is a, a day where no work is to be done. On the other feast days, you'll no, notice that in the Bible, it says no customary work is to be done. On this day, no work at all uh, is to be done. And as the scripture says, on that same day, the high priest makes atonement for the people before the Lord God. So biblically speaking, uh, this is a day of national atonement for the next year. Yeah. And uh, within that, this holiday, within the commandments for this holiday, there are two goats involved, right? What do the two goats mean? Right. There are two goats. Actually, the goats are brought before the high priest and the high priest casts lots for these two goats. Uh, one, of the goat is, one of the goats is called the goat of the Lord, and the other is called in Hebrew the Azazel, or the scapegoat. The goat of the Lord is actually taken into the uh, sanctuary, the temple, by the high priest. Um, it is sacrificed upon the altar. Uh, but the Azazel goat is actually faced to the people who have gathered in the temple area, the high priest lays his hands on the head of the Azazel or scapegoat, and then symbolically he imputes the sins of the people uh, upon this goat. And then the goat is led away, away from the temple, out into the wilderness by designated men. Uh, historians tell us that there are nine stations that this goat is led through. Uh, and after the ninth station, uh, the goat is led over a cliff, symbolically, again, taking the sins of the people uh, away with him. Historians tell us that on the horns of the Azazel goat, they would tie a red ribbon um, and that the ribbon would turn white as the goat was led off into the wilderness, uh, except for the 40 years before the destruction of the temple, which would have been around 30 AD. And of course, that is when our Messiah uh, was sacrificed for our sins. Maybe something I'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. For sure. So now there's no longer a temple and there is no high priest. So Judaism has had to adapt this holiday over the years. How do modern Jewish communities observe it? Yeah, in, in the, uh, the liturgy of the uh, Yom Kippur service in the synagogue, this holiday is also called Yom Hadin or the day of judgment. Uh, in other words, it's the end of a 10-day period that runs from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur called the 10 days of awe. Uh, on Rosh Hashanah, according to the rabbis, two books are open. One is called the Book of Life. The other is called the Book of Death. They feel that the, uh, the Jewish people are divided into thirds. 
uh, a third of the people have led such a miserable life for the past year that they have no chance of being written in the book of life. They're already inscribed in the book of death. A third of the people, according to the rabbis, have led a wonderful life over the past year. And so their names are already inscribed in the book of life. But it's that middle third, if you will, that has to be real concerned. Um, and so this, these 10 days of awe are days of introspection, days of reflection, days of looking uh, on your life to see what kind of a life you live. And then on Yom Kippur, it's a day of asking God's forgiveness for all the various sins uh, that you have done. And hopefully, according to the rabbinic understanding, your attempts at asking for forgiveness are strong enough uh, that you will in fact be written in the book of life. And then on Yom Kippur, the books are closed uh, for another year. So that's basically the rabbinic understanding today of Yom Kippur. Wow, that's interesting. So you mentioned the Book of Life, and the Bible does talk about the Book of Life, but I don't think it's ever in reference to the Day of Atonement. How is this connection made? Yeah, that's not only is that a wonderful question, but it, it leads to a very hard answer. And I guess the answer would just be um, rabbinic imagination. In other words, you have no goats anymore. There is no goat for the Lord. There is no scapegoat. Uh, you have no temple where there is sacrifice. Uh, yet Yom Kippur, a day of atonement, still talks about atonement, uh, about the covering, if you will, of one's sins. And so the rabbis have, have invented, if you will, not in a negative way, but in a creative way, this understanding of the difference between life and death and the need for repentance. And Yom Kippur is a day of ultimate repentance. So basically, it was something that was integrated later on because there is no temple or sacrifices. Right. Um, just like a lot of the other services. I mean, if you have no temple, the temple, it was the center of all Jewish life. And so when, without the temple now, there has to be some sort of substitute. I see. Yeah. So the scriptures about Yom Kippur, they make it sound kind of mysterious, right? So you have the high priest who's only allowed to go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And then there are two different goats who have completely different purposes. How do we find the Messiah in the different parts of this holiday? Right. Well, you know, scripture is very clear. Um, in the book of Hebrews, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Uh, in the book of, of Leviticus, we read that the life of the flesh is in the blood. God says, I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your sins because it's the blood that makes atonement for your sin. And so since there needs to be a sacrifice, since there needs to be a blood offering, the goat of the Lord um, is the goat that provides the blood and provides the sacrifice uh, on this Yom Kippur. But it was also our Messiah whose blood was shed. But concerning the uh, scapegoat, kind of like the, uh, the Yom Kippur scapegoat on, on whom the sins of the nation were laid, it would be laid on Messiah as well, the Messiah of Israel but it would be the sins of the entire world, uh, just not on the nation of Israel. And while the scapegoat took the sins for a season, a single year, uh, Messiah takes our sin for all time. And because he's God, he can deal with sin in the past, he can deal with sin in the present and also uh, in the future. And so if you will, um, the scapegoat foreshadowed the greatest gift that the world would ever receive that is a sin bearer, the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua. 
Now, while the, the ancient scapegoat dealt with national skin, national sin rather, um, the divine scapegoat deals with both national and individual sin. John 6, 37 says it beautifully. He who comes to me, I will by no means uh, cast out. And also it's important to know that one day all Israel will be reconciled to God through the Messiah. He's the ultimate fulfillment, if you will, on Yom Kippur. I just want to read one more verse if I can. It's from Jeremiah 31, 34. It says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Amen. That's so beautifully put, Dennis. And I think what I like about this holiday as a believer in Yeshua is that all our sins are atoned for once and for all. Um, there is no more sacrifice for sin because Yeshua paid it all. You mentioned uh, Jeremiah. Would you say that Yom Kippur foreshadows any future events to come? The answer to that is simple. It's called absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you look at the uh, the Holy Convocation days of Leviticus 23, they are in order for a reason. Uh, they are a timetable of God's um, prophetic uses, if you will, of his son, Messiah, in order to, um, I guess you could call it, reclaim his kingdom on earth. And it all revolves around the Jewish people. Uh, Passover is the uh, sacrificial lamb. Uh, first fruits is his resurrection three days after he was crucified. Uh, the Feast of Weeks, or, or um, Shavuot, or Pentecost, if you will, is the giving of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. It's the beginning of the body of Messiah on earth. And then we have these fall festivals that occur very close together and occur one right after the other. Rosh Hashanah, which is a foreshadow of the um, rapture of the body of Messiah. Tabernacles, which I believe is a foreshadow of the um, thousand year millennial kingdom. And right in the middle is this amazing holiday of Yom Kippur, which I believe foreshadows the national atonement of Israel in the future. Mm -hmm. You may remember in the book of Matthew, when Yeshua is saying goodbye, he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets, I will not see, you will not see me again until I hear you say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, blessed is he, who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, if you've ever been to a Jewish wedding, those are the very words that the rabbi says when the groom makes his entrance into the sanctuary. They're wedding words. Wow. And what Messiah is basically saying is, until my people, the nation of Israel, sees me as their groom, then you will not see me again. But one day they will see him as their groom. Uh, Paul talks about this in Romans 11. I just want to read three verses, if I may. I'm beginning in verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that hardening in part, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. When I celebrate Yom Kippur now as a believer in Messiah, when I lead congregational services on Yom Kippur, it's not a day to beat your chest and confess all your sins. 
my sins were taken care of by the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. No, Amen. it's it's a day to look forward to, a day when all Israel, as it says in Isaiah 53, who would have believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's a day when all Israel will understand that Messiah was sent from them, for them, they'll repent and they'll be reconciled to God. invite you to explore the topics discussed on Our Hope podcast by visiting Chosen People Ministries online store at store.chosenpeople.com. You will find books about the Feast of Israel, how to share Messiah with your Jewish friends, and what the rabbis said about the Messiah, as well as Jewish holiday items, apparel, and more. As our way of saying thank you for listening to our podcast, we have an exclusive offer just for you. Go to store.chosenpeople.com and enter promo code OURHOPE15 for 15% off your entire purchase. This is a holiday of hope. Uh, What can believers in Jesus learn from Yom Kippur? There are a couple of things. I just want to touch on them briefly. Uh, One is that these are not, this is not part of the feasts of Israel. That's not what the Bible says. These are the feasts of the Lord. And the Lord God is the Lord God of all nations uh, on the earth. That's one thing. Secondly, I think it's important to remember that Yom Kippur is a part of the, um, the um, beginning and end of the uh, uh, biblical feasts in Leviticus 23. And it foreshadows uh, a very important uh, event. And for Gentile believers, I think it's important for them to understand the reason for Yom Kippur, the current traditions of Yom Kippur, but also the promises of God through Yom Kippur so that Mm. they can really be witnesses to their Jewish non-believing friends and neighbors. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, so how can we share the gospel during the time after Yom Kippur leading up to Sukkot? when Jewish people may be wondering if their sins were forgiven? You know, that that answer um, has been written in books by thousands of people. And the <laughs> books are many, many pages thick. So uh, I'm, I'm going to try to make it uh, as simple, as quick uh, as I can. Uh, step number one, people won't listen to you until they trust you. And so it's important just to be honest, good, open friends uh, to your Jewish non-believing neighbors, uh, co-workers, employers, employees, uh, and whatnot. Second, as I said just a little earlier, I think it's important to understand the reasons and the motives for these uh, Jewish feast days. And then it's really wonderful when you have a Jewish friend, just go up to them and say, wow, I know that you just celebrated Yom Kippur and Sukkot Sukkah. Do you celebrate in the sukkah with your family? I think the Jewish feast days are the most amazing and interesting things in all of the Bible. Maybe we can talk about it one day. And when a conversation starts, then what you do is you pray and you ask God to put searching questions into the mouths of the people you're talking to, because when they do, God will give you the answers. That's so well put. Nobody comes to the Father unless he draws them. And I also want to remind our listeners 
uh, in our online store at store.chosenpeople.com, we have a resource for you called How to Introduce Your Jewish Friends to the Messiah, which is an excellent guide on how to share the gospel with Jewish people. As a Messianic leader, do you remember any past Yom Kippur services that left an impact on you? Or do you have any stories you can share about how God has used Yom Kippur to move people to repentance or forgiveness? If, if you'll allow me, I'd, I'd like to answer the first question. And um, it's a very personal answer. Uh, I came to faith in 1992. I was not a young man by any means. I didn't think I needed God or a savior for, for many, many years of my life. But when I came to faith, um, it was in the spring. And that next high holy day season, uh, I went to the messianic services at the congregation uh, where I came to faith. And on Yom Kippur in the afternoon, for some reason, I had this draw and pull to go visit the synagogue where I attended when I was growing up. It was only about a half an hour drive um, from the Messianic synagogue where we had worshiped in the morning. You know, in Yom Kippur and synagogues all over the world, they're in the synagogue all day long. Uh, it's amazing how they don't get black and blue beating their chests, three services in a 24 hour period. But I drove there, I guess, because even in, even in a heart that's been renewed, a heart that's been changed by the very life of Messiah in you, there are still anchors in your past that you have to deal with, either positively or negatively. And so I drove over. Uh, I really wanted to go in the synagogue and just sit there um, and remember the days when I was young and I would go there with my mom and dad. And as I drove up to the synagogue, on the front lawn, there were huge signs on the day of Yom Kippur declaring pro-choice. Wow. Pro-choice. And I parked the car outside of the parking lot and just cried. Mm. I cried for my family, um, for the Jewish people who were in that synagogue that day, who didn't understand the Jewishness of the sacrificial lamb of God. And it was a, a, an awakening for me, if you will, on what true Judaism is really all about. It's about God who prophesied of a savior to come. It's about a savior who came according to the scriptures. It's about his death again, according to the scriptures that provided us eternal salvation if we would only believe. And it's about a promised beautiful future of an eternal life with God. And those people in that synagogue that day had no such promise. And it was a day when not only did I have a firm break with my Judaic past, if you will, but God planted an amazing burden in my heart for the salvation of my people. So Yom Kippur is a special day for me for many, many reasons, but that's certainly one of them. Wow, that's incredible. I think when we understand the, the weight of our sin, and then the fact that, that Jesus took all of that upon himself, it really changes the way that we see all the Jewish holidays. I think especially Yom Kippur.
As a holiday that is focused on solemn reflection and fasting, Yom Kippur may be seen as a day that many people dread. But in Yeshua, it has become a day to draw near, knowing that our High Priest has made a way for us to have direct access to the throne of grace. Therefore, Yom Kippur is a wonderful day to pray. Pray for forgiveness, pray for the strength to forgive others, and pray for those who do not yet believe in Yeshua, who gave the final sacrifice for atonement once and for all. There is one more fall festival left to celebrate, Sukkot. Join us this Friday for a free virtual Erev Sukkot service. We are hosting two, one at 4 p.m. Eastern and another at 7 p.m. Eastern. Sign up now at chosenpeople.com slash high holidays. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Our Hope. This episode was made possible thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Abraham Vasquez, Grace Sui, Kyron Bautista, and Dennis Karp. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or chosenpeople.com. See you next time.